As they are finishing up, if you would take your Bibles and go to 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. We are finishing up our series on God's plan to restore. And if you have been here or haven't been here, uh, we've been wading through some very difficult stuff. It's not stuff that they tell you in seminary to preach. It's not the sermons that you hear at... um, chapel. It's something that uh, it's just there though. And so we've looked at how King David went from the highlight of his life being king and to having his enemies defeated and to being in a time of great peace and prosperity to falling into sin and watching how that sin not only affected him but his kingdom and other people and ended up in murder and and covering up sin and And we would look at that and say, well, Jake, that's as low as you can go. There is no coming back from that. There is no process that God can take us in our mess, take us in our pain, take us in our sin, and restore us. And so we have been wading through the valley for the last few weeks, and finally we are at a place where we are beginning to see the end of what God was going to do. I want to show you a picture that some of you are going to be very familiar with, and it's one of the most frustrating pictures that can be in your life. Right there. Some of you look at your phone and say, Amazon promised it would be here in two days. And it's not here in two days. I just want it to be here. Right when you click on that link, when you click on that little buy now, Most of us just wish it could be here instantly, right? If it was just here. We bought our kids some go-karts last summer, bought them off Amazon, and they just couldn't wait. And they would want to know where it's at and when it's going to be here. And if it wasn't here right on, they lost one of them. How do you lose a full-size go-kart? I don't know. But they were supposed to get two, and they got one, and it was like, oh, what has happened Because why? The process of getting what I want and receiving it sometimes takes time. And from where David started to where God wanted him to be took time. And today, maybe you are in a valley, maybe you are broken, maybe you are hurting, maybe you are struggling, and you think there is no way that this valley is ever going to end. Friends, I want you to know that there is a day when God's purpose and plan for you even though He might have to correct you, even though He might have to discipline you, even though He might have to carry you, that God has a point where you will see what He is doing in your life. And so for many of you, this is the joy that you will feel in this next picture. I don't know, but I think some of you, your greatest joy in life is seeing the FedEx and UPS driver show up at your house. I can promise you that it is an exciting time at our house. That is the moment when you come home and think, it's here! Whatever it is that I was waiting for is here. And this morning I want you to see that God has, it's a here moment for you. God has a time in your life when you will go through the valley, through the challenge, and He will have you where He wants you to be. But most of us don't want to wait. Most of us don't want to be corrected. Most of us don't want to repent. 
We just want to find ourselves in our life and do what we want and go where we want and be who we want. And then when things don't work out, we just want it all fixed. But sometimes God takes us through a process. God takes us through a valley. God takes us through difficulties. It cost King David a child. It cost Bathsheba a husband. And we're going to look through the rest of this book about how David's sin affected him, but it did not have to define him. And so this morning I just really pray and hope that even though it's not always easy to be patient, even though it doesn't always seem that God knows what He's doing, there is a moment when you will be able to look and see that God did this. God has fixed this. God has carried this. God has forgiven this. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, I think I have those up there. I'm thinking, I yes. If you would stand with me, I want to read these two verses and then we will jump right in. But I want you to see how you can be forgiven, how you can have a struggle, how God will take you through difficult things, but you are not defined by those. Verse 13, it says, So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin, you shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. You see, you can still have forgiveness. You can still find restoration. And yet God can still work even in the darkest of situations. And so pray with me. Father, I just come to you this morning. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to see whether we're in the valley Lord, whether we're on the mountaintop, Lord, whether we are just uh, as blessed as we have ever been, or Lord, we are as broken as we have ever been. God, today that you would show us that we are yours, that we know you, that we can trust you, that we can rely on you, Lord. And today I just pray that you would give me the words to say, not mine, but yours, all for your glory. And Lord, I just ask it in Jesus' name, amen. And so when we look in verse 24 here, David has lost a child, Uriah has died, uh, all this mess has gone on. But in verse 24, we begin to see God's restoration taking place. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife. This is the first time that the Bible says that she was his wife. All the other times it was Uriah's wife, Uriah's wife, Uriah's wife. And so we begin to see here God's work. And the first way I want you to see that God can work is God's blessing of family. God's blessing of family. So then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went into her and lay with her. So she bore him a son. He called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him, and he sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. You see, I want you to know this morning that family is a blessing. But a greater blessing than just family is Christian family. People in your family who love Jesus and love you. Love Jesus more than you because, friends, if you can find someone that loves Jesus more than they love you, they will love you better because of Him. Because Jesus is love. The Bible says that God is love. And if I can know Him and I can understand Him and I can trust Him, it helps me to love others like He would love them. 
And what we see is, in this passage of Scripture, David had destroyed a family. I don't know if you remember that. David had literally destroyed Bathsheba's family. Her husband had been murdered. She had been uh, taken into his bed in sin. But yet even though David destroyed a family, God restored a family. God brought David into this marriage after David's sin and David's sin, and David's mistakes, and David's brokenness. Once he repented, God said, I will forgive, and I can work. And this morning, I hope you'll hear that, because some of you today are hanging on by a thread. Your kids' marriages are bad, your marriages are bad, your families are broken, things are a mess. And I want you to see, though, that even though you might not have been the person that you should have been, maybe not you should have had the marriage that God wanted you to have, Today, if you will repent and you will come to Him and trust Him, God can build a family where one has been tore down. God can build up what has been destroyed. And so David's blessing, God's restoration process was David had destroyed something and God remade it. Think about Jesus. Jesus' own mother and father on this earth. Not heavenly father. We know that Joseph was, was not his father, but he, was, uh, but he did raise him on this earth. The Bible says in two places, in Matthew chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 1, and we do not have time to read them this morning, but write these down in your notes. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 30. We just don't have time to read them all this morning. The Bible talks about how that Joseph was a man of integrity, that Joseph was a man that loved God. And because of that, he did not put Mary away. He did what God wanted him to do and was a blessing to the King of kings and Lord of lords. If you look over in Luke chapter 1 in your own time this week, it talks about how Mary was highly favored of God, that God had blessed her, that God was with her, and because of that, Jesus was blessed. Now, I want you to see this this morning because so many times the one area of our life that is the most painful and is the most challenging and is the most difficult is the four walls that you live in. That is where you can be hurt the greatest. It might have been where you were hurt growing up. It might be how you've been hurt by other people that weren't supposed to hurt you. But this morning I want you to see that if God has taken you through something, and God has brought you through something, one of the greatest blessings that God can give you is the blessing of family. second thing I want to show you this morning as we look at how God restores is the blessing of loyal friends. The blessing of loyal friends. Look here in verse 26 through 28. It says, Now Joab fought against Reba and of the people of Ammon and took the royal city. And Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Reba, and I have taken the city's water supply. Now therefore, gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it, lest I take the city and it be called after my name. Joab, the commander of his army, sends a message back to David and says, the city's going to fall. And if I conquer the city, I'll be the one that gets the credit. I'll be the one that gets the praise. But I want you to get it. I want you to be who God wants you to be. The king, 
victorious. And this morning I want you to see this, that David was not a loyal friend. David was not loyal at all. David saw a woman that he wanted, even though she was married, knew that she was married. Her grandfather was one of David's closest advisors, and we're going to see that in the chapters to come. David would have known Uriah, he would have known Bathsheba, but yet in his moment, he didn't care about loyalty. He cared about one thing, getting what he wanted. And his disloyalty not only broke her marriage vows, but then after she was with child, his disloyalty cost him, Uriah, his life. And so you would say, well, Jake, how can God bless David with someone loyal after he has been disloyal? Because God can restore what is broken. And Joab says, David, I don't want this for me. I want it for you. You said, well, Joab must have just been a wonderful guy. He must have just been top notch. No, Joab was a lying murderer. He murdered a man in cold blood, disobeyed David, lies to David in the chapters ahead, sneaks around and gets things done. But yet in this moment, he was loyal to David. Why? Because God had a purpose for David and a plan for David's life, even when David had messed it up. Even when David had made a broken mistake. In Philippians, the second chapter, verse 3, the Bible says these words about our motivations and how blessed we should be to have people in our lives like this. In Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each one esteem others better than himself. Today I want you to know that if God has blessed you with people in your lives that love you and care about you and will be there for you and will walk with you in the valleys and will pray with you in the difficulty and will weep with you when you are weeping, rejoice because God has given you a blessing that most people never have. And if you're here today and that's not the kind of person that you are to the people in your life, look up here. We are suffering from the most selfish generation in human history. It doesn't matter about other people and service and sacrifice. It matters about what I want and what I need and what my kids need. And, and, and it's all about this. But that is not the mark of God's people. And what we need as a church and what our community needs is to see people who don't do it for themselves. It's not about what I can get. I can tell you this without a shadow of a doubt that I hate sports. I loved sports. All I ever wanted to do was play sports. All I ever wanted my kids to do was beat everybody else's kids. And that's why I married my wife. I loved her and she was athletic. But after watching how parents behave, how coaches connive, I can't handle it. I can barely even go to ball games anymore just because I'm like, well, that person, that I just can't do it. And so I'm just telling you that we are suffering in the most simple areas of life. How do we expect people to trust us when it all falls apart? When things really go bad? When things really fall apart? And yet all we have watched is people care about themselves and what they can get and how they can get ahead. I encourage you today, if you have someone in your life that you care about, ask God to show you how I can show them that it's not about me. That God, that it's about them. It's about honoring you. Whether it's in your marriage, 
whether it's with your children, whether it's with your parents. Proverbs, the 17th chapter, verse 17 says it like this. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And so what looked like David had ruined a marriage that couldn't be repaired, God had showed David that he was disloyal and untrustworthy. God blesses David with a child. God blesses David with loyal friends. And the third way I want to show you that God can work in the restoration process is God's blessing over victory, a victory over our enemies. Did you remember what it said in verse 13 and verse 14? That God had forgiven David, but David had sinned against God because he had given God's enemies reason to blaspheme God. Christian, I want to just say this before I preach this point. The reason that sin is such a big deal in our life is not only because of what it does to us, but it gives a lost and dying world ammunition to say, well, they're supposed to be saved. They're supposed to be born again. They're supposed to be filled with the Spirit of God. They're supposed to reflect the Savior that they love. And I can tell you how bad we deal with it because our first response is always, don't judge me. I do believe that it's an excuse the lost people use to not come to church. Well, the preacher's a hypocrite. The deacons are hypocrites. The Sunday school, yes, I know that. We can all be that way. But friends, if you and I really love Jesus, our first response is not anger. It's, Lord, search me. Lord, make sure that that's not true what they say. Lord, make sure that's not what is true about our church. Let it never be said that we favor the wealthy over the poor. That we favor those who have gifts, those that don't have gifts. Let it never be said these things, because if it is true, we should repent. We should seek the Lord. Because what happens is, it gives the lost, it gives the enemies of God an opportunity to blaspheme Him. But look here in verses 29 through 31. The Bible says, So David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbah, fought against it and took it. Then he took their king's crown from his head and weighed was a talent of gold with precious stones. And it was set on David's head. And he brought out the spoil of the city in great abundance. And he brought out the people who were in it and put them at work with saws and iron picks and iron axes, and made them cross over to the brickworks. So he did to all the cities of the people of Ammon. So, but David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. God gave David victory over his enemies, even though David had helped God enemies. God gave David loyal friends, people who would be there for him, even though David wasn't loyal. Even though David had destroyed a family, ruined a family, broken a family, God built a family. You see, I hope that you'll see the theme this morning that God's process of restoring you, God bringing you from where you were to where you can be, sometimes makes no sense. And sometimes the world will say it's not possible. 
And sometimes you and I will believe that Satan says it cannot happen, but you need to remember something, that what God can do in your life does not have to be defined by what the world says. How God can move does not have to be explainable in the eyes of men. God can bring life into your life where there is none. And God can bring hope into your home when there is none. And God can bring forgiveness into your life where Satan has said you cannot be forgiven. God is not done with you. And I don't know who needs to hear that. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what's going on. But I want you to see that even though it might be longer than you think it's going to be, it might have been harder than you thought it was going to be, it might have caused more damage than you thought it was going to cause, God has something in store for you as an individual, for you as a family, and for us as a church. And we need to quit quitting on God when it doesn't happen immediately. That's hard. Can you imagine what David was thinking as his child was dying and he knew it was his fault? God, will I ever have another child? God, will you ever be able to bless this relationship? Were you thinking that when David was trying to trick Uriah to sleep with his own wife, or when he was giving the orders to have him murdered, that David ever thought someone would be loyal to him? And when David was causing the enemies of God to rejoice and to celebrate, because if even the great King David falls, if even the great King David is not changed, but yet God gave him victory. You see, I don't know how more, much more I can say this. Maybe you've already got the point, but if you're like me, you probably haven't. How many of you have ever drove through the Dahlgren Railroad tracks and realized those were the worst railroad tracks in the whole world? Anybody? Going north of Dahlgren? Not anymore! Amen. 60 years later... You can drive over those railroad tracks and it's smooth and it's soft. But for my whole life, it's been... One of the railroad people goes to church here. It's on the docket. It's on the docket. It's going to get fixed. And I'm thinking... Every single time. And all... These years I've thought, it ain't going to happen, it ain't going to happen, Dahlgren's not going to get it fixed, Dahlgren's not going to get the money, it's not going to happen. But oh, I tell you what, a couple weeks ago when they started on that one to the east, I thought, Whoa! I was so happy. And I watched them dig that out, had to get all the old out first, took out those old timbers and old uh, railroad ties and they brought it down to nothing. Friends, sometimes God has to do that in your life and in mine. God can't restore you if the sin's still in your life. God can't restore you if the cancer's still eating its way through your spiritual life. That's why it starts with repentance. And after they begin to clean that out, then they begin to get things ready. Boy, they had those timbers there, and they had the equipment there, and they begin to lay it. They didn't lay it all at one time. They laid one, then laid another one, then laid another one, and then went to the other side of the railroad tracks and laid another one, and another one, and another one. 
They went to the other line on the other side and went another one, another one, another one, another one, another one, another one. And then after that, they poured that asphalt down around it on both sides. And then they put up a sign. Don't drive across it. Let it sit up. Get ready. Boy, I tell you what, I drove by that first one thinking, oh, boy. And then I forgot the next day they were working on the other one and pulled in and had to turn around. But I drove over that for the first time and thought, man, this is nice. But friends, you'll never experience the end result if you don't let God work through your life. You say, Jake, I just want everything to be fixed. I know. I just want every situation to be right. I know. But friends, the only timeline that you can control in your relationship with God is the repentance part. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. You cannot, for, you cannot control how long it's going to take someone to forgive you. You cannot control how long it's going to take for God to change your enemy's hearts. You can't know when God is going to bring loyal people into your life. You don't know when God is going to restore your family. You and I cannot control that. We have no say over that. That belongs to God and God alone. But what I can do is today, when the Spirit of God convicts me of my sin and my brokenness and my pain, is today I can run to Jesus and say, here I am. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I need you. Lord, I don't understand. God, today I am coming, giving you my life. And friends, in that moment, I have done all that I can do. But friends, that's the great thing about the Christian faith. It is not what I do that makes the difference. It's Him. He is the one who stepped out of heaven and lived a perfect life that I cannot live. He is the one that willingly went to the cross and took the punishment of sin and shame. He is the one who rose from that grave. He is the one who sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me. He is the one through the power of the Holy Spirit who guides us and leads us and directs us and secures us. It's Him! The only thing I have to do is either say yes, Lord, or no. Lord, I'm going to keep my sin. I'm going to keep my unforgiveness. I'm going to keep my baggage. I'm going to keep my brokenness. Lord, my life is mine. Or I come and say, here I am, Lord. Sinful, broken, hurting, but believing that you can change everything. Friends, you have to believe that. You have to believe that on days when you don't want to go home. You have to believe that on days when your prodigal children, you don't even know where they're at. You've got to believe that on days where your enemies seem to be surrounding you. You have to believe that where you are does not have to be where you stay. As I was preparing for this sermon over the last two or three months, I thought, if I can just get to this sermon, if we can just make it to this one, because the last ones have been hard. 
we have watched how God corrects those that He loves. But as a person who doesn't listen very well, growing up or now, I can tell you that the finished product of what God is doing in your life is worth the process. Now I want to be clear. Ultimate finishing doesn't happen till heaven. To heaven, David's getting ready to watch his children start to fall apart, his marriage fall apart, his his kingdom fall apart. In the chapters ahead, and you say, Jake, but he's finally been restored. The Christian walk is not all mountains, and it's not all valleys. It's an up and down process. You go through seasons of great joy, and you go through seasons of great pain. You go through seasons where it seems like everything is working like it's supposed to, and you will go through seasons where it seems like nothing is going like it should. You'll have seasons where God has forgiven you, and you know that you're forgiven, but yet you have to watch the consequences of our life unfold. I uh, got on the scale this morning. Never get on the scale on a Sunday morning. It just sucks the joy out of your life. Unless you're skinny and then no one likes you. No, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. And as I stood there looking at the scale, I thought, this wasn't just one bad decision. This was a lifetime of bad decisions. And friends, so many times, that's how it is. We look at our life and we think, man, we've just made so many bad decisions. I wish I could change things. I wish I could, I wish I could go back. You can't. But today you can know that God loves you, that Jesus died for you. And while the road ahead might be challenging, it might be difficult, it might be bumpy, I'd much rather travel with the one who is in control. I'd much rather go through the valleys with the one who can carry me. I'd much rather fall in the mess of life with the one who can forgive me. And friends, that's the issue today. Do you trust Him? Do you know Him? Are you relying on Him? Or are you playing church? Are you showing up here once a week, sitting, singing? Or do you really know Him? Because church attendance is wonderful. And I think all Christians should be here all the time. I believe that. But friends, I'm going to tell you what, sitting in that seat's not what's going to carry you when you get the phone call that your child's dead. Or that your marriage is over or that someone's got cancer. It's Him. It's an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lords of lords. And today you can have that if you let Him. You say, Jake, that's a lot to take in this morning. I hope it was encouraging. I hope that you know that if you will ask for forgiveness, what God can do in your life knows no limits. Not because of you, but because of Him. Father, I thank You so much for Your Word. Not mine, Lord, but Yours. I pray, God, that You'd forgive me for anything that I might have said or thought that wasn't what You would want. But God, today I pray for this congregation. God, I pray that You would speak to them and to show them, God, that You are at work. God, that you can be at work in their life no matter where they've been, what they've done, the mistakes they've made, the pain that they have experienced. God, that you can work. God, I pray that you'd give us the humility and the brokenness 
to just be honest with you. Father, I pray in this place today that the lost, those that don't know you, that aren't sure that today that would change. Father, for those of us that know you, Lord, I pray that today would be the day we would just fall down in front of you, Lord, and say, here we are. Work for your glory. God, I pray for those families who have given up on people, those who have situations that seem beyond repair, that today, God, you would show them that today can be the beginning of you restoring them if they'll do it your way. And so, Lord, again, I thank you for who you are and the privilege it is to know you. And, Lord, I just ask that you would be in charge and take care, take control and do everything for your glory in this place this morning. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.